in a world filled with information. Where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! Good morning. On today's show, how our assumptions about our money can shape our financial future for better or for worse. Six assumptions that could apply to you and how to reshape them. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. All across the state of Arkansas and online, we welcome you in to another edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. Glad to have you along. My name is Scott Inman, along with John Shrewsbury and Janet Walker. And we are set to talk about assumptions today, uh, assumptions about your money. And when you hear the word assumption, I'm going to go right to John, and he's going to tell us what comes to mind. I'm not saying anything because I will get hit by Janet. Uh, So I have heard Uh from certain people Uh that when you you assume that it makes a donkey Uh out of you and me. Yes. So we'll just go with that. It does. The Army says something different. The, the the army has a, a, a more blatant phrase about it, but I, I think, think it's I'll just, just the army. I think Let's I'll just, just not assume. I, yes. That's where I wasn't in the army, but I heard it in reference to some military stuff one time. And yeah. I, well, I just assumed, Sergeant, that I was supposed to do this. Well, you know, boy, what it does, what happens when you assume, don't you? Yeah. And so, and yeah. so what are we making assumptions about these days? Well, I think it's interesting because assumption really means that you are kind of having a uh, perspective that is based on just your mind really yeah it, it, your perceptions your thoughts not fact necessarily right. i think it's a mental game i think yeah. it's part mental game i think it's part family history game is what mm-hmm. we're talking about today how you were brought up to make assumptions about money and those things might need changing so we've got six financial assumptions whether it's about investing or just money in general how you deal with it how you look at it and i think that this is a really important show for people to have an opportunity to reshape that if one or all of these six assumptions apply to you because changing that making that an assumption making that assumption different or reshaping it can really have some great uh, impact on changing your financial future. Scott, uh, the, I don't know any other subject where there are more assumptions than money. Uh, I think that maybe maybe religion. There, there may yeah. be a lot of assumptions about religious issues and what have you, but people come with this mindset about money that is really very historical in nature. It is based on how they were raised or mm-hmm. uh, things that they've heard or whatever the case may be. And sometimes it's really hard to break through those assumptions and get to the real truth. And hopefully today we'll do that in these six things that we're going to talk about. I'm going to give you one that I think may trump money, though, that oh. you didn't use was Uh-oh. political ideology. Well, that's true. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> yes. Especially today. Yes. On social yes. Media. Moving right along. Yeah, we're but, not talking uh, politics. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. just kind of <laughs> popped in there. This is a political free zone. I made an assumption about politics. There that's you for go. sure. All right. So assumption number one on our list is my financial goals are isolated. Now, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody communicate that assumption to me in that way. So we're going to have to explain, I think, what that means to start. We often hear people talk about financial goals as if it's separate, right? Not necessarily isolated, but separate from everything else going on in their lives. They are concentrated on getting through the day. They're concentrating on earning a living. And then, oh, this over here 
is my financial goal. I'm going to throw a little money this way. Well, you know how people tend to say, well, we don't talk about money. And that's kind of where that separation, I think, comes from. I've got life and then I've got money. But at GenWealth, we think you have those two things together because it really is part of your life. It drives most everything in your life. Uh, You know, if you don't have any money, then you don't have any opportunity. And if you don't have any opportunity, then that really does kind of bake in what your life is going to be like yeah i think i think money and behavior are inseparable so think about the behaviors that you have that have an impact on what you do to to generate money for yourself so what are you doing at work and if you're going all out you know what you're probably over your career going to make more money because your behavior has an impact on your compensation and then when you think about when you get into retirement your money that you've earned over all those years has an impact on your behavior. It, it, uh, it determines what you can afford to do and what you can't afford to do. So really those two are inseparable. So if you think about it, guys, the, the truth is that you can't separate your money from everything else. It's an integral part of really every choice that you make, whether you work or stop working, whether you stay here or move there, money is involved in that. Shannon, over the years, I've seen people try to isolate money from the rest of their life. And truthfully, what that does is it creates a barrier between them and financial independence. Financial independence is just out of reach. It's just right there, but they just can't quite get there because they don't get that connection between their money and their life. Somehow they think there's a Chinese wall between them and it, and yeah. and, and they just can't get over it. But that's really not the case. I think that, that this assumption probably is one of the roots of, of crippling people uh, from financial independence because they can't make that connection. I'll give you guys a parallel we've been going through with my son. He's, he's a senior in high school, so he's about to graduate. He's going to go to uh, Louisiana Tech, be uh, a civil engineer is the plan. And so we're trying to help him look forward. Like four years down the road, you're graduating from college. Five years down the road, you're in your new job. What does that look like? And what are all the things that have to happen between now and then to make that a reality? So if if you turn that, you know, it's really easy for us to see as adults, oh, yeah, he needs to think through that and he needs to be sure he keeps his good grades so that he can keep his scholarship so that he he can graduate without debt, all of those things. It's easy for us to see those steps for him. But what are your financial goals? And have you taken the time to say, look, these financial goals are very relative to my today activity. What do I need to do today for those financial goals to become my reality in the future? You know, I think people often have the mindset that money is elusive and and they like to be in control of their life. And and so they don't want to intermingle the two because it might not work out very well. It's controllable to the extent that you're controllable. Yeah. And I think that, uh, Scott, another thing that I would say about this is life is comprehensive and a financial plan needs to be comprehensive too. If you don't have a, a comprehensive financial plan, then you're probably not going to get very far down the road. And that financial plan has to be connected to the things that you want and need in life. Uh, When we sit down with someone who comes in and they're ready to retire, the first thing that we ask them is, what is your required income? What does it take for you to live? That's a a fundamental part of the process here at GenWealth is that we want to know that that required income is going to be there for you to meet those required expenses. Life isn't going to be very fun if you're always scrambling, trying to pay the mortgage or trying to to put food on the table 
right. or whatever the case may be, you want that sort of automatic. You want that ready to go regardless of what's going on in the market, regardless of what's going on in the economy. You want to be sure that that basic fundamental income is taken care of, and that just demonstrates that inextricable connection between money and life. I think it's important, too, to point out that if you have not made any of those strides, if you're close to retirement, if you're not close to retirement, in working through that plan, no matter where you are in your mindset, it's a good time to reach out to a Genwell financial advisor and get started on that plan. Because I think we have people who come into the office, I think of a client just recently who came in in his 50s, about 11 years out from retirement. He had everything on the spreadsheet. He had already thought about, hey, when I get there 11 years from now, here's what my expenses are going to look like. Now, we're going to have to modify that a little bit for inflation and things like that. But he had taken the time Mm -hmm. to walk through it itemize his required income needs. But a lot of people, John, come in and they don't have any idea what they're going to need. And that that may be 11 years out from retirement. That may be 11 days out from retirement. Yeah. And, and you don't have to be a geek about it and have everything right. on a spreadsheet. We will help you get there. But it's obviously a, a, a tremendous level of comfort that you would arrive at if you know that the expenses that you anticipate in retirement that are your day-to-day expenses are covered by required income coming from your portfolio. You can get the What's the Plan free resource by visiting getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash manifesto. You can do that and get your free copy. We'll tell you again about it as the show goes on. Assumptions, six of them. Number two is next. Scott Inman, John Shrewsbury, Janet Walker, welcoming you back to the Get Ready for the Future show. On today's show, talking about how our assumptions about our money can shape our financial future for better or for worse. And we're going over six negative assumptions about your money that really need to be reshaped and could have a great impact in a positive way on your financial future. Number one on our list in the last segment was my financial goals are isolated. They should not be one-off. They should not be over on the sidelines. It should be incorporated into all of your life. Your money can't be separate from everything else. Our second assumption is I can live on less or I don't need much. And this is talking about retirement. This is talking about when we get to the end of our work life, people's assumptions about retirement. We've heard this many times. We call it the just-in-case retirement. Maybe you've saved a little, maybe you've saved a lot, but it is a hands-off uh, approach or mentality, guys, that, that really kind of, I guess, dovetails off of our first assumption that my finance, my finances, my money, it's all over there and it's to break in case of emergency, but otherwise I'm going to scrimp by. Yeah. I, and closely akin to this, Scott, are the uh, people who come in and they say, well, I've done the math on this and I've got X number of dollars. And if I divide that by the number of years I'm likely to live, yep. then I can like put it in the bank and, and earn almost zero interest on it and I'll be just fine. Yeah. I, I had a, a guy years ago who actually, that was his choice. He was yes. like, I, I can sleep at night because I know that this is the reality of, you know, if I spend it down, I, I've got this many years and I'll be okay. And, and my response response and that was still his decision and that's okay at the end of the day but my response was how much life are you going to live 
Like, are you are you going to just sit there and breathe and eat, or are you going to do some stuff, you know? And, and there's some information from the American College of Financial Services that really underscores this mindset, the difference between having an income stream that mm-hmm. you know is going to be there versus spending down a lump sum. And the psychology behind this is critically important to understand. People really do not give themselves permission to spend that lump sum But when it comes in the form of a regular paycheck, they're far more comfortable to do that. Because if you think about even while you're working, think about this difference. You get your regular paycheck, you're going to go buy what you're going to go buy because you know that that paycheck is coming again in two weeks or however often it is for you. But when you look at that savings account and you go, do we really want to buy that new car? Because that savings account is going to go from, you know, whatever. I don't know what your car range is, but let's say you're buying something at $30,000. Your savings account goes from 50000 to 20000 That hurts, guys. Yeah, it, it does. And so, and that's, that's part of the reason so many people have car payments, because they don't want to see the pain of that savings go down. So when you draw that parallel to retirement income, if your thought process is, I've got this big pile of money and I'm going to take income out of it as I need to, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to have as much fun in retirement. No, yeah. Think about dooming yourself to watching a depreciating asset, your largest depreciating asset, your retirement account, dwindle your entire retirement. I've got to believe that you'll get more and more and more tense and more bitter about things yeah. because you see the wealth that you have disappearing. And, and I think that that's, you know, well, obviously that's what happens with investors when we have a big market downturn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if you just have a, the right plan and leave it alone, nine times out of 10, you're doing just fine. And, and Scott, I think that, that oftentimes people are searching for the simplistic answer. And you can't get a simplistic answer to a complex problem. Let's face it, retirement is complex. There's risk that you have as you are entering into retirement and go into the depths of retirement that you don't have when you're building up money and saving money over time. And so you've got to deal with those risks. And you also have a situation where you're not thinking really about the effect of inflation. We had a big discussion about this with a client yesterday, as a matter of fact, that we talked about the effect of inflation and our thought process that inflation is probably going to tick up and that we had to build that into their plan. And so those are all complexities that you've got to get around. And when you make the assumption that I can live on less, well, you might be able to live on less right now, but five years from now, probably not. Rather than adjusting case retirement, doesn't it make sense to build a plan that has dynamic retirement monthly income built into it. And you think about the opposite end of the spectrum is true too. While you don't want to put it all in the bank and not draw anything and not have an inflation-adjusted raise, you certainly don't want everything 100% in equities either because that creates the other risk, or I should say exposes you to the other risk, which we call sequence risk. So the answer is the bucketing approach. The income for life model is what we use in the ready-to-retire process at GenWealth, in which your early money, your money in the first few years of retirement, is in a very conservative investment strategy. So it's not fluctuating when the market does what the market did in March of 2020. But the back end of those, the buckets of money are that are invested for 15 years, 20 years into retirement, if you live that long, that's where the growth component takes place. And as John is mentioning, that's where the inflationary-adjusted raises are going to come from. 
So when we compare this, the, the process that we're using, the ready-to-retire process that we use, and, and having the buckets of money, that is a plan for your income rather than just I've got this, this you know, stack of money that I'm drawing down. So let me just give you an analogy. Your, your plan, it's a boat not a life preserver. That life preserver is there to save you if things go wrong. Things fall apart, it's there to save you. But the boat assumes you want to go somewhere and you need a way to get there. It is something intentional, on paper, on purpose, that we're planning to do in advance so you can go have some fun in retirement. Scott, I've got some statistics that uh, really do kind of shine a light on how we think about money and, and particularly in the equities market. If you take a look at a, at a rolling one-year period of time, any one-year period of time, there's about a 75% chance that you would make money in the stock market and about a 25% chance that you would lose money in any given year. Now, you don't want those odds when you're pulling money out because one time out of four that you make a withdrawal, the market's probably going to be down and you'll be selling, as I say, into the wind. You'll be selling against what the market is doing. But if you go out further and understand that five years out, there's about an 87% chance that equities will make money and about a 12% chance that they won't. And then if you go out even further, go to 10 years, it's almost a probability. It's a lock at 94.5% of the time you're going to make money. Here's the interesting thing. Over a 10-year, I'm sorry, over a 20-year period of time, 100% of the time, historically, the S&P 500 has made money in any 20-year rolling period. So when you think about the effect of that and how you should arrange your money, then push your money out long-term and put that in equities. And the money that you're going to use short-term, you don't need it going down in value as you're beginning to withdraw it. Keep it in something that can maybe bear some interest or, or earn a little bit of return, but you do not need that volatility. That's the essence of the investment strategy that is encompassed inside the ready to retire process. And I think about the far right column on the income for life model inside of our mm -hmm. clients plans, you're going to see your overall balance and it will fluctuate some it will go down over a long period of time. But you think about how many of our clients have and, and again, this is not going to be the case every year. But if you look at their overall account balances in January of 21 versus January of 20, and they've been taking money out for the last 12 months, you'll see that tracking that the overall balance didn't go down. Yeah, that's right. And and the, the model is, some, Janet, you mentioned the American College of Financial Services. Right. Uh, the, the model that we use is one of the, the recommended ways of, of taking retirement income. There are several ways out there. This one is actually the most conservative way of taking retirement income yes. and still having it ex exposed to the financial markets. Yeah, without any extraordinary assumptions, it should get you where you need to go in retirement. And we can show you that. That's another thing that I think a lot of people miss by not having a plan. They can't see on paper what this should look like with some conservative assumptions. And if you can't see it, you're probably scared to use it. Assumption number three, speaking of assumptions, we're talking about the negative ones that could affect how you reach your financial goals in a positive or negative light. These assumptions are ones that may need reshaping if they apply to you. Number one today was my financial goals are isolated. Number two, I can live on less. I don't need much in retirement. Number three is my investments or savings alone are enough. And we've been talking extensively about our planning process, and hopefully we've already driven the point home that your investments or savings are not the plan and in themselves. But a lot of people believe that. If you have a collection of investments, that is 
my financial plan or my retirement plan. Our regular listeners may be at the point where they can tell this story on their own because I feel like it's one that we do frequently, but it is absolutely one that you have to understand before you begin withdrawing income in retirement. And that is what we'll call the 4% rule, guys. When, let's say somebody has a million dollars just for easy math, and it doesn't matter what your number is. It can be a much smaller or larger number, but let's go with a million dollars. And you're withdrawing 4% from that, that account. So you're withdrawing $40,000 a year. Well, then along comes 2008, and the account is now down from a million dollars to 600000 because the market was down 40%. So now, if you're still going to stick to your 4% withdrawal rate, instead of 40000 it's now 4% of 600000 so you're going to take a pay decrease and go to 24000 Not a single retiree on the planet is going to be happy about that. So if you want to stick with your $40,000 withdrawal amount, because that's how much you need to have now it's forty thousand off of six hundred thousand. So instead of four percent, you've now jumped up to a six point seven percent withdrawal rate. You're going to run out of money. Period. End of conversation. There's no way to avoid it. So you cannot go through that process. You have to be able to withdraw from from buckets of money that are not exposed to that type of volatility. And that's the difference between, you know, I've got my savings and investments. That's not enough. You have to have a plan to go with it. Thinking about your savings and investments being all you need is kind of like thinking about having a car is all you need to go on vacation. And you, you just have to have more. You have to have a way to get there. You've got to have a plan of how you're going to get there, what you know, roads you're going to take if you're you going to drive. you got to have a beach ball to play with when you get there. You, I mean, you, you got to have a hotel when yeah. you get there. You, you can't go camping or something like that. That'd be communist. You, you, you don't <laughs> want to do that. would in his mind. I would probably yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, you'd probably enjoy it. But you, you've got to have more than just the vehicle that's going to get you there. Uh, a vacation is pretty bad if it just takes you from one airport to the other and that's it and, yeah. and you're stuck there. You've got to understand the, the, the difference between having investments and actually having a plan to get you down the road. So what's the plan for you? If you don't know, well, you can visit GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash manifesto to get your free copy of What's the Plan? I'll give you some things to think about as we try to debunk some of these assumptions and reshape your thought process, the mental game of having a better financial future. We'll continue with the Get Ready for the Future show right after this. Scott Inman along with John Shrewsbury and Janet Walker welcoming you back to today's show, how our assumptions about our money can shape our financial future for better or worse. Six of those, six assumptions we've identified that we uh, work with clients to get through that could apply to you and how to reshape them today. If at any point in time during today's broadcast something resonates with you and you'd like to find out a little bit more about how we plan for retirement or just kind of get an idea of are you on track for retirement and you'd like to sit down with the Genwell Financial Advisor, you can do that at no cost to you. Our first appointments with uh, new clients are absolutely free. And we have six offices that you can choose from. We have offices in Conway, Hot Springs, Bryant, West Little Rock, uh, El Dorado, and Bossier City, Louisiana. And one number can get you in touch with an advisor in any of those offices, 501-653-7355. Again, it's 501-653-7355. You can also go to our website and email us. Just send it to info at getreadyforthefuture.com. Anna Olive is our client introductory specialist. She'll give you a call 
uh, find out what your needs are and match you with an advisor that can best uh, help you. We'll also get a list to you of items to bring, and you can uh, work through that list. And if you can't get all the way through it and bring everything to that first appointment, that's okay too. But it's just a conversation, that first couple of hours with the Gen Wealth Advisor, no cost to you. So I would encourage you to do that. But as we roll on through our assumptions list, we're up to number four. It's too early to worry about planning. And this is financial planning. Maybe it's for retirement. Maybe it's for a, a longer-term go or a less a more moderate or intermediate term goal like college or, or a down payment on a home. But I think when we say planning, most people are thinking about retirement. But we do see a lot of young people all the time hindered by the assumption that they'll have more time, more money. That's the big one, too, because you're certainly not in your higher earning years right out of the gates from college. More knowledge in the future to worry about planning. And so then it's therefore in their minds, the assumption becomes it's too early to worry about it. Scott, I have to, to go back to a story that uh, it dates back to one of my first clients ever in the financial services industry. Uh, I set him up in a IRA. And actually, it was a Roth IRA. I think it was in 1997 when they came out or something along those lines. And uh, our, our, I, 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 that date may not be exactly right, but he was a young uh, police officer. And he was in his CPA's office a little bit later, and he said to his CPA that he had uh, set up this Roth IRA. And the CPA said to him, you're too young to be saving money for retirement. Guy was 26 years old. Womp womp. Yeah, he came back to me and said, my CPA said I was too young to be saving for retirement. I looked at him and said, your CPA doesn't know anything about compound interest, mm-hmm. you know, or the time value of money. I wonder what what uh, school he went to. That's yeah. really, really shocking. And and I we've used that story before on the air because there, uh, there are a lot of people who think I, I got plenty of time. But they do not understand the mechanics, yeah. the math, and the science of compound interest. Well, and, and we'll get into an example here in just a moment on compound interest. But I want to talk about, Scott, you mentioned, you know, in the early years, you're not earning as much as you will be later. But I'm also going to tell everybody out there who will listen, you're also not spending as much as you will later. Because or you later shouldn't on, be. Well, yeah. later on, you're going to have yeah. children, and they're expensive. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, yeah, you may be earning more, but you're going to be spending every penny and then some on the kids you know as far as that excess income so get started while you don't have those expenses but let's go through the story of of ben and arthur and we're going to give credit where credit is due on this this is a dave ramsey example with his numbers his math we probably would use a more conservative rate of return on this if we were doing this ourselves but the concept is still true okay so follow along with the concept on this even if the numbers might be a little bit different so you got two people ben and arthur At age 19, Ben decides that he's going to invest $2,000 a year. This kind of dates this story because this is this used to be the IRA limit on contributions was $2,000 a year. So Ben decides he's going to invest $2,000 a year for eight years. He gets a 12% rate of return. At age 26, he stops putting money into his investments. So he has put in a total, a big whopping total, 2,000 times eight years, $16,000 is all that Ben has put in. Arthur comes along. He's got more important stuff to do in his first few years of working, and he decides he's not going to invest quite yet. So then he starts at age 27. 
He puts in $2,000 a, a year, and he does that until he is 65. So that's many more years. Gets the same rate of return as Ben does, but he has put in $78,000 as opposed to Ben's $16,000. Now, the question is, who wins this game? When both Ben and Arthur turn 65, they decide to compare their investment accounts. Who do you think won? Ben put in 16000 over eight years. Arthur invested 78000 over a 39-year period of time. Believe it or not, power of compound interest, Ben comes out ahead, and not by just a little bit. It's $700,000 ahead. The difference in what Ben and Arthur have is more than what many Arkansans actually retire with. That's just the difference of the two. So Arthur has a total of 1.5, while Ben has a total of 2.2. How does that happen? It is the power of compound interest. Now, I'll say just for the record that 12% is stretching it out there. Uh, You know, the average rate of return of the S&P 500 is more like about 10%. Uh, so 12% is a little bit of a stretch. But, but follow through, you'd but, still have hundreds of thousands of dollars more than the other guy. Yeah, the principle is is still yeah. the same. It is that time value of that $16,000 sitting there compounding at whatever rate of return that you get. It's that compounding that, that does mm-hmm. kind of create that gap between what Ben did in just a few years, just eight years of saving versus what Arthur did in a lifetime of saving. The simple truth behind this is you have more doubling periods. We've talked about uh, the rule of 72 as a concept that you just need to understand as an investor. It basically helps you figure out how often it's going to take your money to double. So at 12%, if you divide 12 into 72, it'll go in there six times. So your money's going to double every six years. But if we use John's example, which I think is way more realistic, of 10%, If you divide 10 into 72, your money's going to double every 7.2 years. So you still have, because Ben started earlier, you still have more doubling periods than Arthur will ever have. Now, Scott, a lot of people that are older use this concept as an excuse to say the next assumption, and that is, Mm. I'm just assuming that I'm too old for this to do any good for me. I wish I'd talked to you when I was at 20 years old as opposed to 60 years old. And the the idea behind that is that planning just doesn't work if you are already at the threshold of retirement. And I got to say, we got a whole lot of clients that it's helped that were at the threshold of retirement when they came to see us mm-hmm. and they did not have to engage in some long-term uh, you know, savings program because they'd already saved. Well, I think the question is, what are you planning for? You mm-hmm. know, in the case of Ben and Arthur, they're planning like, like, how do I even use my retirement plan at work? What do I need to do to get started? And that would be the focal point of their plan, along with any other areas they need to address. If it's if it's debt, if it's life insurance, that's the focal point of planning for them. And I want to be sure we address that really with Ben and Arthur, we just talked about investing. We didn't really talk about there needs to be a plan that goes with that. Yes. And then as you get closer to retirement, there still needs to be a plan there. And if you're just starting, that's okay. We're going to start with you wherever you are, but there has to be a plan now to prepare for distribution because guys, if you think saving is difficult to understand, distribution is a whole new ball of wax. You you have to have somebody who can explain the science and the math behind distributions. Well, John, you mentioned the threshold of retirement. I think it's important too to define what threshold we're talking about. I think people many times eight, nine, ten years away from retirement consider themselves 
on the threshold of retirement and it's mm-hmm. too late to do anything. Even that kind of time yeah. frame, particularly if you're willing to get serious about your contribution rate, can make a huge difference in your retirement. It can. And and as you move toward that, that ultimate retirement date, the planning factor becomes more and more and more important. Uh, because in reality, Scott, there is more detailed planning that has to go on for someone who is at the threshold of retirement or ready to retire than someone who is 20 years old and trying to get started. Uh, you would think, oh, they got all these things to deal with in life. Yes, but you can't really Uh, address some of those things until you get there. You're there when you talk about retirement. You you are are needing to deal with not only Social Security, retirement income planning. You're needing to deal with long-term care issues. You're needing to deal with taxes. There's just a a plethora of things that, that it's not too late. As a matter of fact, you help yourself tremendously if you go ahead and say, I'm going to come in and bring all my stuff and I'm going to sit down with an advisor and I'm going to not just do a transaction, but I'm actually going to engage in a long-term relationship that someone is going to be kind of my financial coach along this way in retirement because that's a critical thing that, to have. This is a, a minor detail in light of somebody's overall retirement plan, but I'll give you an example of kind of short-term planning. Um, we had for these clients, we had their long-term plan put together for retirement, and we were really pretty far ahead of where the plan said we needed to be. And they came in talking to us about, hey, we're going to take this trip to Hawaii. And we're just chatting. Like, it really was not a financial conversation about the trip. They're just like, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And we thought about doing this this helicopter excursion. And I really wanted to do it, but it's so expensive. And I, I just went, okay, wait, stop. We're going to have a financial conversation about this. I want you to look at where your plan is. I want you to look at where you we're supposed to be and how far ahead of that we are. Take the dead gum helicopter excursion, you know, just go do it. And they did, and they had a blast, and they sent us pictures, and it was like, thank you, you know. But that was that was short range planning, you know. They're they're already at the point of retirement, but the plan said they can do it, and that's one of the beauties of planning. It gives you permission to live life. And and I can first of all attest to that helicopter trip. I've been on one of those. It's fabulous. Yeah, and yeah. and you fly around and you get to see all these things that you couldn't get to uh, on land. And and it's a tremendous thing, but that's what life is about. And again, let's go back to that first assumption that that money and life are separate. No, they're not. Money enables you to live a more fulfilling, richer life. And if you're planning for that, then you can do that without a whole lot of worry, without a whole lot of worry that you're going to deplete your savings, which is basically what these folks were worried about. They had plenty, but they didn't know it. Yeah, it, it gives you permission to live life. My uh, 20-year-old son works on the production crew, and he's in the room with you. I just, as you were th- talking through Ben and Arthur, I hope he was paying attention. Was he paying he attention? He pays attention yeah. all the time. He's got I, his headphones in fact, on. I'm going to go off on a slight tangent. I love watching him because he's just full of life. Music gets going, and he's over here you know, <laughs> dancing and everything. I love it. He's very engaged. That's why we, we started That's why we started the Roth IRA, Garrett. That, that right there. You're Ben. You're Ben. There you go. We're going to take a break and be back to get ready for the future show continue. Continues right after this. On today's show, how our assumptions about our money can shape our financial future for better or for worse. We're talking about six of them that we have identified, six assumptions that could apply to you 
and if they do, how to reshape them. It's a mental game. Could be a, a family history game, your views about money. And we do want to encourage you to download our free copy of What's the Plan? You can visit GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash manifesto. Get a free copy to kind of build some thoughts into reshaping your assumptions about money and maybe the first steps towards a better financial future. So our assumptions up until this point, we have done our first five as we enter our final segment here in the Get Ready for the Future show. Number one was my financial goals are isolated. We often hear people talk about their goals as if they're isolated from the rest of their lives, but your money can't be separate from everything else. Number two, I can live on less. I don't need much. We're talking about retirement here, and this is our just-in-case retirement that I have a lump sum that I just use if there's an emergency. But I love the stat from the American College of Financial Services that people actually give themselves permission to enjoy their money when they receive it in a regular income as opposed to if they withdraw it in a lump sum. Our third assumption today was uh, I'm too early. Or it's too early to worry about planning. And we had the uh, great example of starting early and the power of compound interest. That was actually number four. I was one off. Number three was my investments and savings alone are enough. Number four was it's too early to worry about planning. And number five, it's too late to worry about planning. So we're up to our final one. Number six, I'm not worth more than I have now. And this is really speaking to that mental game, especially if you've come from a family history where uh, you hail from humble beginnings. I really think that where you come from is certainly an unchangeable fact, but it does not and should not dictate where you're headed or what you're capable of. We should know because I think all of us came from pretty humble beginnings. John, uh, you were a, a late child for your parents, yep. and so you probably have more memory of your parents' retirement and, and the details of that than many people do because of, of your age at the time and still being at home. How much was your dad's pension check? It was $209.37. Let that soak in. I don't care what time period <laughs> we're talking about. It's not enough. And that gives you a little bit of an idea about, about John's background. And for me, um, the house that I grew up in was built by hand by my great-grandfather. My grandfather was born in it, but the, the key point on building that house is uh, he wasn't a carpenter. Um, he was a farmer, and he built that house using bent nails that he hammered straight because he couldn't afford to buy new ones. I would say that our family has come a long ways, you know, and it just each generation moving forward and doing their part to move their family forward. I hope and pray that that my children far exceed everything that I've ever done. And and I think that's important for you to understand. It doesn't matter where you come from. It matters what you're focused on, where you're going and what you do to get there. We have clients, Scott, that that literally were uh, eating peanut butter and uh, and because they could only afford to do that yeah and now they're millionaires and and you we have people that that remember when there was nothing in the cupboard and and now they have way more money than than they will probably ever spend but i think that sometimes people get you know caught in this trap of the mindset of where they were and it's those folks that that do live that just in case retirement. They you know they 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 say, I'm not going to spend any money just in case something happens. 
And as I've said before, what happens in a just-in-case retirement is that you die and, and will all that money to your kids, and then your kids go do all the fun things that you wanted to do in retirement mm-hmm. but couldn't do because you had that just-in-case mindset. Don't do that. A good plan gives you that that safety net, if you will, of understanding exactly where you are in retirement and understanding that there does need to be some margin there, but you also need to balance that with living life. I, I would challenge you to think about how you think about money like what are you what are the thoughts that you've never written down on paper it might be good to just write those out and go here's what I think about money and then ask yourself why is it because it's it's an accurate thought or do you have some assumptions about money that you picked up along the way from your family that may not really be on track it's probably very much related to how you define your financial future challenge yourself in whether or not it's accurate. I'm, I'm reminiscing about our trip to Notre Dame and, and the psychology coach from oh, the University yeah. of Notre Dame uh, said that one of the players came up and said, Coach, I, I don't think I've ever spent so much time thinking about what I'm thinking about. Yeah, but, it's important. But you do need to think about what you're thinking about because your thoughts control your actions yeah. and your actions control your outcome. So it's all interconnected. And, and you know, I, I, one time in my life, as I was in probably junior high school, I thought I, I had a psychology class and I thought, man, I'd like to go into that area. But somehow I kind of, you know, straight off of that or whatever. And now I'm doing it. It's yeah, just about money as opposed to about all the psychological problems that people might have. But it is very interconnected. And you do not let uh, do not need to let whatever your conditions were in the past control what your future looks like. John, when you mentioned that you had clients who were eating peanut butter and now they're millionaires, I can't help but think about plugging a couple of books here that have really no association with us, but The Millionaire Next Door or or Chris Hogan's Everyday Millionaire for a more recent view of that. The average millionaire in this country might astound you how they got there. They didn't make a whole lot of money. They didn't have uh, huge businesses they were running or have high-paying jobs they just got to the grind, put the money back, and made it happen. It's the daily disciplines and not keeping up with the Joneses. And like we, I re, guys, y'all will laugh at this. I don't know if I've ever told this one. The the vehicle that I came home from the hospital in when I was born was still around when I got my driver's permit 14 years later. And y'all will notice, I, I have not personally kept a vehicle for 14 years, but I've kept them for 10 and, and, you know, we drive them till the wheels fall off. Well, we're spending half as much money or less on uh, vehicles as most other people are. Where is that money going? It's going to lots of other things, either for the future that, you know, that we want to have in retirement or now to enjoy those things. You mentioned the daily disciplines and the daily disciplines will result in the ultimate victory for you if you are doing the right things every day Mm -hmm. to build financial independence. It may not be the coolest thing in the world to be putting money in your 401k plan, but I can tell you, you will be living a lifestyle in retirement that probably your peers are not when they're living it up in their 30s and 40s and what have you. It is that daily habits that you've got to engage in, and that really does take place in retirement too. It's a little bit different uh, type of of habits that you have to have, Mm -hmm. but there are still daily disciplines that you need to have in retirement to get down the line. I think it's important too to point out that, hey, if that's you, if you're just getting started or or maybe you had a a plan in place or, or, or at least were saving money and had to break away for whatever reason, you want to get back on track. It doesn't matter your level of wealth. Gen Wealth is here to help you and to work with you. 
you have enough to work with us. And I think that's important to point out here, too, because I think the, the general assumption, let's say, of a financial advisor is, is they only work with rich people. Yeah, that is an assumption, and and uh, you know we have people come in all the time going, I don't know if you if I have enough money to, to warrant y'all's attention. Listen, people who come through this door with you know enough money to put fifty dollars a month in their in their Roth IRA get our attention. Yes, and now you're not necessarily going to need the full scope of planning that we do for everybody, but you will get the attention that you need and deserve here because at Gen Wealth we respect all levels of wealth. Hear that from the top, John and Janet saying, we respect all levels of wealth. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, we like to work with people that have a lot of money because that is how we drive our business. But we also have a duty and a responsibility to help those people get started because back in the day, Janet, yeah. that was how you and I actually got started in our respective uh former lives in investing well and frankly even team members here who haven't been here very long or they're young in life you know the the industry as a whole kind of says if you don't have two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you can't meet with an advisor they won't work with you we're not going to do that here it, you know there are several people on our team who are not at that threshold yet but by golly they get the help of a financial advisor and it's just the right thing to do so it's what we do across the board whether you're a team member or not if you're just starting out, we'd love to help you. If you're at retirement and you've got quite a bit, we'd love to help you. We'd love to get you to that $250,000 threshold. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So it's time for our final third thoughts. You heard the bell. We'll start with you, Janet. Um, I would just say, you know, we, we all know how the saying goes about assuming. We won't uh, necessarily recap, but more or less, your assumptions really hurt you more than they help you. So I would challenge yourself to think about what you're thinking about and what your assumptions are about money and just think about, all right, can I back those up with fact or not? And if you can't, then you need to reframe your thoughts and not let those assumptions dictate your financial decisions. I think you can't be controlled by what you don't know, Scott. I think that's what an assumption really is. An assumption is often wrong uh, because it is based on one set of facts. And many times people make a, a judgment based on limited information. But when they have the full picture, when they have more information, they would make a completely different decision. Mm-hmm. And I would say that if you're sitting out there right now and you're making assumptions about working with a financial advisor or your money or whatever the case may be, you're working with a limited set of facts. Because when a financial advisor sits down, there's more than likely a handful of things that they could impart to you that would help you to actually do better financially as time goes on. So I would challenge you to check out those additional sets of facts. Reshape your idea of planning with our free download. That's my final thought. What's the plan? A manifesto for your life, your worth, and what happens next. Visit GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash manifesto to get your copy. Good show about assumptions today. We thank you for being with us. For John and Janet, I'm Scott Inman saying so long, and we'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, share the podcast with your friends and family. The Gen Wealth financial team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com. Or call our offices at 501-653-7355. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. 
GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.